Right. You for the last um, last several weeks, it's probably been longer, but um, I don't remember how long. But I've just been filled with excitement, and it's an anticipation. I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm excited about what he's doing in my life, my family, what he's, what he's doing here at New Covenant Fellowship, what he's doing in our community. And I'm excited about the part that I get to partner with him. He's invited me to partner with him to do what he's doing. And I'm not the only one that he's invited. I'm not the only one. Some of you might be invited too. But what I want to talk about today, last week I started a series, and I was planning on continuing that today. I was planning on continuing that today, but I feel like the Lord changed my plans and wants me to talk about something else today. I'm going to continue that series another time, but today I want to talk about something that's pertinent for the moment, that's really been in my heart. I've been thinking about this a lot. Thank you very much. It's not full. There's something missing out of this. Excuse me. But I want to talk about today, I want to talk about five ways to transition well as a church family. Five ways to transition well as a church family. You know, we all know the word transition. We're familiar with the term. Some of us don't like it because we don't like change. But do you realize I was thinking one of the most difficult things about transition is our attitude? You know, people say, well, you know, people don't like change. People don't like change. And even if change is good, even if, if change is moving us into something better, a lot of times we struggle with the change because we're going into something different. And our attitude can be, our mindset can be our biggest hindrance. It can be the biggest enemy that we face moving into what God has for us individually or as a family or as a church family. And I'm going to talk about five ways to transition well because we are going to transition, right? I mean, that's going to happen. We have all kinds of experiences in life where you transition. Now, I'm not talking about trials, although sometimes it seems like the same thing. But I'm talking about how do we transition well, whether it's something you're going through personally, as a family, or as our church family. Number one, we need to move forward in faith in what the Father is doing. Move forward in faith and expectation of what the Father is doing. I mean faith for the Parkers and Tovars. Because we believe, those of us who know the Parkers and Tovars, we believe with evidence supporting, that they really love Jesus. They really love Jesus. And so the transition that they believe God is leading them into is because they believe God is leading them. Right? And so then let's take the posture of joining them in faith so that they move into all that God has for them. Not the posture and, and the position of, well, we'll just see what happens. You know, not that kind of attitude. Because that's almost a let's wait and see them fail type of attitude. 
Well, you know, like when Abraham, when God called him out, he said, go, I'm going to give you a land. It's like, well, where is it? God didn't tell him where it was, but he said, go. Abraham left everything he was familiar with to go to a promise that he didn't know what it was going to look like. He just trusted the father. He trusted him. And that reminds me, and that's kind of similar to what I see the the Parkers and Tovars are doing, because they don't fully know everything that God has in store for them. But they're trusting him to lead them. So let's take the posture of moving forward in faith for what the Father is doing for the Parkers, for the Tovars, and for New Covenant Fellowship. Amen? So what does that mean? That means let's pray together. Let's pray. When we have these times of soaking and and prayer together, let's pray, believing God for the best for them, the best for us. When major changes happen, we can get down, discouraged, and even depressed because of our circumstances and totally miss out on what God is doing. You realize that everyone goes through change, but everyone doesn't go through change well. But we can if we choose to. You're going to go through change. But what's the attitude you're going to have? Are you going to choose to partner with God and go through this time with him with faith and expectation. And that's what I'm choosing to do. And that's why I believe I'm so excited. I'm excited about what God is doing. Now, when I first heard, when they first, we started having conversations. And they were sharing that what God was doing in their heart. I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy one bit. Matter of fact, I was very sad. Because I thought what God was doing... Well, what he was continuing to do now and moving forward, I thought that it had them participating like they are now. And so I thought that, but obviously I was wrong. And so I had to adjust. I had to choose. I had to make a choice. Am I going to, one, I listen to their hearts and I believe them. They're not upset. They're not bitter. They're not angry. They're not whatever as far as the church is concerned. They sincerely believe God has something else for them. I believe that. And so I chose to come into partnership with where they're going, what they're going to be doing, and I'm choosing to be in faith with them. And I'm inviting you to do the same. Everyone goes through change, but everyone doesn't go through change well. And you know, check this out. God's perfect will and best plan for us rarely looks like what we expect it to look like. God's perfect will and plan for our lives rarely, if at all, looks like what we expect it to look like. You ever thought of that? You remember I started talking about the story of Gideon last week? And we learned at the beginning of Judges chapter 6, it says that Israel was doing evil in God's sight. And God turned them over to the bad guys for chastisement. Because Israel was doing some very bad stuff. Worshipping Baal, Asherah, sacrificing their children. I mean, just horrible stuff. And then it says that they started getting, because of the enemy, they started getting hungry. They started starving. And then they cried out to God. Oh, God, please help us. They were crying out to God for help. Then God sent a prophet. And I'm sure Gideon was one of those people crying out to God for help because he was hungry too. Things got really hard, crying out to God for help. Then all of a sudden, God shows up and says, Gideon, mighty man of war, mighty man of valor. He says, wait, what? 
Gideon was crying out for a deliverer, and God says, tag, you're it. Gideon was not expecting that. He was asking God for his answer. God was bringing his answer, and Gideon was not expecting it at all. Started making all kinds of excuses. God, you don't understand. I'm just this person. I can't do this. But as we see in the story, Gideon partnered with God, and he became that person that God called him to be. A lot of times, God's best and his perfect will for our lives looks nothing like we expect it to look like. You know, Israel was believing God for a Savior. They knew in the word that that God was going to send a deliverer, the Messiah, to save them, to save the world. And then when he came, God's answer to their prayer, what they'd been waiting their whole lives for, Jesus comes on the scene. And what do they do? What do the religious Leaders, the people that love God, the people that were all about the ways of God, the laws of God, and everything, and they were anticipating the Savior. And he comes, and they kill him. He looked nothing like what they expected. Now, the people who had no expectations, well, I can't say they didn't have any expectations because I don't know that. But maybe the people whose expectations were different or maybe they weren't holding on them so tightly, they embraced Jesus. But the people who, who God's people, who he loved and they loved him, they rejected the very thing that God was doing. And you know, history also shows that, you know, we've had revivals throughout history God moves of God that he, he does. When God does a move, and then that move stops and changes, and then the next move that happens, the people who were involved in the previous mood, move are the ones who persecute the next move. In other words, people can be mightily used in a revival... And then maybe that revival dissipates, and then God does another move, and the one who persecutes that are the people who were involved in the previous one. Why is that? Because I believe they had expectations that the next move of God was going to look like what the previous one looked like. And they had all these expectations, and our expectations can blind us to what God wants to do in the future or now. And that's why our hearts have to stay soft and pliable before him and our relationship has to stay current it can't be about the past we can't be reveling in the past and oh look how god did this and god did that and we we can celebrate and and be reminded of the past that's okay but we can't get stuck there because if we get stuck there then we will gain the expectation that what god's going to do in the future has to look like what he did in the past And then what can happen is that type of person will become disqualified from being right in the middle of what God wants to do because of their attitude, their heart, their disposition. So number one, move forward in faith in what God, our Father, is doing. 
Number two, ask the right, ask the right people questions when you have them. Ask people questions, the right people questions about this transition. Because if you ask somebody who has no clue, all you're going to get is an opinion. And it might be the wrong opinion. Can we be real right now? Is it okay? There's a lot of opportunity right now for gossip. There's a lot of opportunity. The stage or the table is either set to partner with gossip, suspicion, accusation. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because you've heard of that before. When things happen that you don't understand, what happens is, is we tend to look at things through the lens of our past experience. And let's say there's been transition in a church you've been used to, you've been involved in before. And maybe it wasn't good or it wasn't done well or, or the leadership didn't do things with integrity and, and that kind of thing. And, and so what can happen is you come out of a bad situation. Maybe it was abusive. Maybe it was just bad. And then you come into this situation. And then we're talking about transition and change. And then your past can all of a sudden come back up. And you can start assuming that what's about to happen is the same thing that happened before. Especially if you have any, any hooks from the past. If you have any unforgiveness. If you have any unforgiveness to what's happened in the past, then you're going to have hooks. Then what will happen, what can happen is, when we're talking about transition, you start thinking, ah, oh, I know what's going on. I know what's going on. The leadership's not really telling us what's happening. They're, they're telling us all the stuff, but that's not true because I know because I have discernment. And so we have an amazing opportunity. We have an amazing opportunity right here to choose who we're going to partner with because I promise you this, the accuser of the brethren would love to pull you into his partnership. You know, the Parkers and Tovars, they were up here a few weeks ago, and they shared their hearts. I thought they did a wonderful job sharing, trying to be transparent and open, and, and they don't have all the answers. I encourage you to talk to them, ask them questions. You might get a lot of, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Or there may be things that they're not free to share yet. And so we have to trust. We can choose to trust or not to trust. But ask them questions and not assume that we're trying to pull anything over. We really are desiring to do this in an honorable way, the transition. And why is this a big deal? Because they've been here forever. I mean, since the dinosaurs roamed. They've been here a long time. Their, their handprint, their fingerprint is all over New Covenant Fellowship. The youth ministry has been amazing. A lot of people comment about the youth and, and the youth ministry, and for good reason. The Parkers did wonderful 
things and ministered over the years, Todd and Shannon, we all know how much of a blessing they've been. And so it doesn't make sense for them to leave in our thinking. It didn't make sense for Jesus to come through a virgin. It didn't make sense for the king of the universe to be born in a manger. You know what a barn smells like, anybody? I do too. I know what horse manure and cow manure and all that stuff smells like. I live around it. And that's what the king of the universe was born into. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But that was God's perfect will for our Savior. Now, I'm not trying to relate the Tovars and Aparkas to Jesus. The tailor might be upset by that. <laughs> but the point I'm just trying to make is a lot of times the way God does things doesn't necessarily make sense. But we have a choice. Are we going to trust the Father, trust each other? And trusting doesn't mean just sitting quiet and not asking questions. Trust means asking questions. Let's communicate. Let's dialogue together. So number two, ask the right people questions. Me, the elders, the leaders, ministry leaders, the parkers, the tovars. And number three, <clears throat> look for opportunities to encourage others in this process. Look for opportunities to encourage others in this process. If you see someone discouraged, someone frustrated, I know my children are not the happy campers right now. And so we're dealing with this as a family. And so we, we take opportunities to encourage them. And I want to encourage you, if you see a brother or sister, whether it's your, your teens or, or whoever in the church, if they're struggling, having a hard time, look for those opportunities to encourage them in this process. Our soulish tendency will be to grumble and complain about changes that come our way. And we want to find others who will grumble and complain with us. You know how boring it is for me to grumble and complain by myself? If I want to complain, I got to find someone who's going to want to complain with me. Said, man, you're right. I thought that was dumb too. You know, we want to complain. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. It says, do all things with plenty of grumbling and complaining. Plenty. Running over. Is that not what it says? Oh, different translation, sorry. It says, do everything without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. Do you know that grumbling, complaining is not only easy, but it's contagious and it feels good and it's satisfying to your soul. I mean, if it wasn't, people wouldn't be doing it, right? And we love to grumble and complain. <clears throat> but we're not going to do it by ourselves. We're going to find people to grumble and complain with us. And you realize, I've realized that when I grumble and complain, that I'm partnering with the accuser. I'm partnering with the accuser of the brethren. It's another name for Satan. And I'm coming into agreement with him. And I'm saying, yeah, that's right. This is dumb. I don't believe this. I don't agree with this. 
Now, what I'm not saying is we just accept everything that's happening and just don't say a word and just keep your mouth shut. If you're hearing that, you're not hearing me. And maybe the mic's not working. What I'm saying is, in this process, let us talk together. Let us communicate. Let's converse. Let's share hearts. Because we have an amazing opportunity for some amazing things to happen. You know, the Bible says there's the power of life and death in our tongues. What type of environment do we want to have here at NCF? Power of life and death in the tongue. If I begin to complain about, okay, the Parker's leaving, Tovar's leaving. Now what's going to happen to our worship team? Now what's going to happen to the youth ministry? And if I complain, then here's what I'm doing. I'm setting, whoever's coming in behind, I'm setting them up for failure in my eyes. Because they will not be able to compete with the expectations that I'm about to place on them. I mean, think about it. Even if they are perfect, they're still not going to make it because that's what happened to Jesus. The perfect one came and they killed him because he could not line up or measure up to their expectations. I remember when we, when we transitioned from uh, Steve Irby did, was the worship leader for many, many years here at New Covenant Fellowship. And then the transition went from Steve Irby to Todd Tovar. And, and many people had a hard time letting go of what they were used to and embracing what God was bringing on the scene. There was a lot of shaking. There was a lot of challenges going on during that time. A lot. But I believe personally that God brought Todd into that position to continue to do what God wanted to do for this body, for New Covenant Fellowship, what God wanted to do for this body. Steve did a wonderful job all those years. I was on the worship team for many years under Steve Irby. Had a wonderful time. Had great things happen. And then the Lord said, okay, it's time to change. And we did. And now, guess what? He's saying it again. It's time to change. So how are we going to embrace the new? How are we going to embrace them? Number four, we can view this transition, or we should view this transition like family members graduating and going off to college. I'm not saying the Parkers and Tovars are kids and they're growing up and going off to college. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, those of you who have kids who have grown up, you're anticipating them about to go to college. If your son or daughter is a senior this year, and you know that, you know, in a couple of months, they're going to graduate, and then who knows where they're going? They're talking about going to college in Virginia, or Wisconsin, or whatever. Are you going to pull back on your relationship with them? Are you, because you, your, your relationship's about to change with your child. You're used to seeing them every day or every week, and all of a sudden, it's going to change to where you may only see them three times a year. So because of that, are you going to pull your heart back so that you're not hurt and say, well, I'm just going to shut down my emotions and my relationship because it'll, it'll lessen the blow? 
Or are you going to say, you know what? I'm going to spend as much time with this kid as I can because I know it's about to change. I remember when my fourth son was about to leave, the Lord was challenging me. You need to spend as much time as you can. And the time that I spend with him is to build, to strengthen the relationship. To strengthen the relationship. And when they go off, when my sons have gone off, and when your kids go off, are they going to be any less, your kids? Are they going to be any less related to you? Are you going to love them any less than when they lived at home? No. So in the same way, and also, let me finish this thought first. Also, I'm excited about what my boys are doing. I, I rejoice with their successes, and I cry at their failures. I get excited when they call, like, what's happening now? Oh, my goodness. I are you serious? That is amazing. That's so awesome. I'm so excited. And then I tell everybody, guess what my sons are doing? Guess what my sons are doing? That kind of attitude and heart, if we have that for the Parkers and Tovars, imagine what that's going to look like. Imagine what that's going to look like. We're celebrating with them when we're hearing about what God's doing with and through them, wherever they are, and we're celebrating and we're calling and talking to them saying, that's so cool. When are you coming home? When are you coming home? Don't you do that, parents, when you're talking to your kids? So when are you coming home again? I know you were here last week, but when are you coming home again? And when they do come home, we're not necessarily expecting them to stay, but we're going to relish the time that we're together. And commune and celebrate and, and catch up. And then we're going to bless them again as they go off. And also before when our children graduate and they're about to leave, we consider that a celebration, an accomplishment, right? And we celebrate. And we bless them with cash and gifts and all that good stuff. Is that good, Taylor? Is that what you wanted me to say earlier? <laughs> And so in that sense, I want to encourage us to have that kind of, let's kind of view this transition in that kind of light. Fully relational. Fully relational. And number five, together, let's pray in faith and anticipate and embrace who and what plan the Lord has for us next. Let's together pray and believe in faith for what God and who God has for us next concerning our worship team. Now, at Todd's request and his, his strong encouragement, and I agree and the elders agree and we're excited about, we are going to set in uh, Garrett Redding and Kalen Burke as co-leaders of the worship ministry. They're going to be taking up the baton, the mantle, and running with it for however long God has that for them. But I'm excited about that. And guess what? It's going to look different. It's going to sound different. It's going to be different from what we're used to. Now, obviously, we're used to them somewhat because they've been a part of the worship ministry already. But things are not going to... It was under Todd's leadership. It had a certain anointing on it. It's going to be under Kalen and Garrett. It's going to have a different anointing, but it's going to be just as powerful and just as full of God. 
So it's how we choose to embrace, how we choose to, um, whether we choose to partner with what God's doing and concerning the youth ministry. We don't have, I'm going to tell you this so that you, you don't think that we're, we're hiding anything. We do not have anybody waiting in the works who's going to step in and be the, youth, the new youth pastor couple or person or whatever. We don't have anybody, okay? Just being open with you guys. We're not sure exactly what he's going to do or what he's wanting to do, but we know he has someone, something in store. The strategy may look different. You know, I served as a youth pastor here for 12 and a half years. And then Todd and Shannon served for only 11 and a half. And then uh, Caleb and Taylor served for five, five, seven, ten, something like that. It didn't matter. Give or take 20. And you know what? It's, it's looked different over the years. But one thing I appreciate is this church has done a wonderful job of embracing what God was doing in the youth ministry. I felt very strongly supported, Lisa and I did, in our 12 and a half year run. And I believe Todd and Shannon felt the same way, and I believe Caleb and Taylor felt the same way as well. So we want to embrace whatever God's doing moving forward with our youth, youth ministry. And we believe it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. Why is this all important? It's because of the environment that we believe God is wanting to establish here at NCF. Because the environment is not all about the worship team and it's not all about the youth ministry, but it's about all that God's wanting to do in this place with you people. It's about his church. It's about you all. And our desire as leaders here is to see healthy people, strong people thrive. What gets us fired up and excited is to see you understand, grab a hold of, and run with the purpose and calling that God has for your life. Plain and simple. That's it. That's the vision. To see you go after and get all he has for you. And we believe for that to happen successfully, it has to be a, a certain type of environment here. If you want to grow healthy plants, but you have poor soil, you're not going to have healthy plants. You have to have rich soil that has everything it needs to have in it. Right, Leanne? Got to have healthy soil and stuff. Okay. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just bear with me. I mean, you know. And our desire is to have the type of environment where we celebrate one another, we encourage one another, we believe in each other, we support one another, and we have the kind of environment where we protect our environment from that gossip thing, that backbiting thing, that, that grumbling, complaining. Now, I know I'd be, it'd be silly for me to put a rule up on the board and say, no gossiping and no grumbling allowed. That'd be silly, wouldn't it? The Bible already says it. And it hasn't stopped many people. But if we decide as a family that we value our relationship with one another so much that I'm not going to participate in anything that would destroy my relationship with you. And if we all take on that attitude, 
then what do you think is going to happen? It's going to be some strong, powerful people and ministries coming up out of this place. And that would be you. Amen? So would you stand with me? So those five things, five ways to transition well, move forward in faith and what the Father is doing. Number two, asking the right people questions when you have them. Number three, look for opportunities to encourage others in this process. Number four, let's view this transition like family members graduating, going off to college. And number five, together let's pray in faith and anticipate and embrace what God has for us next. The reason why I'm excited is because God is doing some incredible things and I'm seeing it in the community. I am seeing transition happen in the community because I know people in this place as well as people in other congregations are praying and partnering with the Lord and crazy, amazing things are happening in this community and it's happening in this church and it's happening in our families and it's going to continue. Do you want to be a part of it? Do we want to be a part of it? Most definitely. Most definitely. So let's pray. Father, we are excited about what you are doing, and we're grateful that we get to be a part. And Lord, we're choosing to side with you. We're choosing to side with hope and faith and trust in you and your process. And we're choosing to walk through this transition relationally. Relationally. And in all the ways that looks like. So thank you for what you're doing, Father. And Lord, those in this body who are going through personal transition, and it's very challenging right now, I just pray for grace, an extra measure measure of grace upon everyone, individually, personally, who's going through transition. And I also pray for wisdom for them, Father. And we thank you for your grace for this whole body as we walk together in this transition, this amazing opportunity that we have. Lord, we give you praise and honor and we love you. And we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. And we'll see you next time.